Good evening, everybody. How are we all doing? Come on, it's good to be in the house. Jeez, I'm still buzzing from that worship. It was absolutely incredible. Thank you, Jesus. Let's actually, in this, this moment of worship, let's continue to just enter this place of prayer this morning and ask God just to go before us. I'm oh, sorry, this evening. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, God. Lord, I thank you that your word has been written, Father God, and in such a way that it's so authoritative that it can direct our step. It's a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, Father God. But Lord, I pray even as your word is spoken today, this evening, Father God, that you would just, you would use it for the full purpose it's intended for, Father God, that it won't return void. And so even as we, we preach out of your word today, I pray that you would encourage somebody here tonight. Father God, encourage them to become doers of your word. And so I thank you, God, for what you're going to do now in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Why don't you look to the person next to you and just say, you're looking super tanned. Come on. And I know you guys would be lying. There's no ways that you come out of that amount of rainy season, super tanned. Come on, guys. I'm super excited. This is our first week of our series, um, uh, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. And over the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about how the enemy kind of invites himself to your table, whether it's in your thoughts or, or, and sometimes we allow him the space. And so hopefully over this next four weeks, we're going to identify how to identify the enemy when he's seated at our table, but also how we can bring cross victory into that situation and recognize that we were intended for a relationship with Jesus and we should have Jesus at our table. And so we're gonna kick that off uh, tonight. And the title this evening is called Identifying the Enemy. Identifying the Enemy. In 2009, I went to a a men's camp. It was a church camp and a friend of mine, David Fenekak, was with me. And we decided in this Mariesburg little campsite that we were going to swim down the Berg River. It was absolutely amazing. We were, it was one of those afternoons that as you're swimming, the, um, the bugs are kind of coming off the water and the, the, the swallows are kind of dipping and diving through. And all of a sudden, this fish eagle comes out of nowhere and just while we head level, like grabs a fish and I was going to, and then it swims off with this fish. And we said, that's incredible. I can't believe we just saw that. That's like something you'd see on a TV show, like on Discovery Channel or something. And it wasn't long. And as we started to swim, I said to him, how far are we going to swim down? He says, let's do three Ks. I said, well, I don't know if I'm ready for three Ks, but okay. And so as we're swimming, we notice on the side of us, there's this little, and we're like, what was that? Was that you? No, it was you. And then all of a sudden we noticed that there was this sheep that had fallen into the river and it was jammed in the root. And so the bank of the, 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 the river had kind of gone muddy and uh, there was a root and his one leg was stuck in it and he was just going, Bleh. and I was like, let's keep swimming. <laughs> but David was like, no, I love animals too much. Let's get him out of there. After like three black eyes, <laughs> we like pulling this sheep out. If any of you ever dealt with, a, with an animal like that, try to pick one up. They're not, they don't behave yourself. And this, this lamb was so frightened. And I want to tell you something. There's something hectic about how heavy their wool become when they're in this river. So we're trying to get this thing out. It took us nearly 40 minutes to get this, this lamb out. And we thought, oh, we're chuffed. Like broken a rib and whatever. But we're like, we got this thing out. And we, so we carry on swimming. On the way back, guess what we see? <laughs> the lamb's back in the water. And we're like, oh my hat. 
So we then go and we do follow the whole process again to get this thing out of the water. And I thought to myself, oh my head, by this time we've got scratches, we stink, we like, and I'm just thinking, I'm going to turn this thing into lamb chops, like in a second. And as we get it out, we, we get the lamb out, and all of a sudden, as we start walking, swimming up, we notice the lamb just turns around and goes straight back into the water. And in that moment, we were like, we went to the farmer and said, listen, do you know your lamb's just, and he said, oh, not again. And it just, he says, that lamb keeps doing that. I said, what does he do? He goes, he doesn't know. He can't trust to drink water and then get sucked in because his, his wool gets too heavy. But it made me think of that scripture that David's got in Psalms 23, where he talks about being a shepherd and the need for a shepherd. You know, sheep, it's so funny how that sheep had no direction. It was so easily just moved back into the same problem it was in. It was taken out of the situation. How many times do we want somebody to take us out of our situation when we just end back in that situation? I think David understood that. And so as we read Psalms 23 tonight, we're going to talk. David starts to paint this picture of the need for a shepherd. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I love verse five where it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely the goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It took a shepherd to understand you need a shepherd. And David writes this, this Psalms 23 is written from a perspective of a shepherd. He was a shepherd. He understood sheep. He understood how sheep are so directionless. And sometimes they'll just take themselves back to the danger. But how there was a need to shepherd them. And David wrote, the Lord is my shepherd, because I think he knew that we all need a shepherd. And David's writing this from a perspective of himself being a sheep. He's not writing this from a perspective of him being the shepherd. You see, he actually realized that if you've ever been around sheep, you know sheep need help. They don't direct themselves. They need dogs. They need, they need help. And so David says that I need a shepherd. And what he's actually saying here is I need help. I recognize that even in my life, I can't do this without God. And so there's a need to have the shepherd and so that's, I love that we all need Jesus in our lives. And that's what he's so significant is that we've got to recognize that we can go astray without Jesus in our life. God prepares a table for you, as verse five actually says, in the presence of your enemy, if you'll let him be your shepherd. We are invited to a table with the king of kings. Okay, just think about that for a moment, that God himself invites you to a table with him where he prepares a meal for you. But how many times in our lives do we never go to that meal? I love how Louis Giglio in this series actually goes, it's so funny that we live in a generation where everybody just takes selfies of themselves at the meal and then they move on. Hey, I was there with him. Do you see that? Well, you never connected. You never took the time to grow in relationship. And that's what God designed us for. That's why he created us, was for a relationship with us. 
And so sometimes we don't take the time to sit down with God. If you're honest with yourself, how many times do you let life happen to you and then you stop and go, didn't have time with God today? Like how often do we sit at the table that He's prepared for us and and feast at that table? Without realizing it, when we don't sit at the table, we allow the enemy to sneak in. We allow the enemy to sneak in. I've got this friend, um, he used to be in our church and um, I was sitting at the heart preparing a sermon one day and I was like really focused and trying to get in. The Bible was open. I mean, it was obvious I'm preparing. And he comes in and I I love this guy to bits because, but he knows and I'll tell him as well, his emotional intelligence is a little bit like, but he walks in and he sits down and he just goes, hey, how's it? Like he sits down and just starts sitting at the table while I'm like, hi. And he says, so he goes, oh, how's it? He just starts talking about random stuff. And then he, he orders the waiter. Oh, I'll, can you bring me the burger and beer special? Okay, like, I didn't know we actually were going to sit here now. And he's, he says, oh, no, I won't be long. And I just thought to myself, at that moment, he invited himself unannounced. While I was trying to prepare a sermon, how many times do people announce, uh, come unannounced to your, your, your table? Or you walk past, you're at a restaurant, somebody gets into conversation with you. And you're like, I'm here to actually, well, this guy invited himself. And I want to let you know the devil invites himself to your table every single time. It's unintentional, it's unplanned, and he just arrives and he sits down. And he starts to talk to you, not as a shepherd, in, uh, like a wolf in shepherd's clothing, but a wolf in sheep's clothing. So, which is very deceptive because a sheep, he makes it look like he's, you, you, you're at the same level as him. And so I want to talk about that tonight about how we can actually keep the enemy away from the table that was intended to be for God. I love how the enemy, when they sit at your table, how many of you ever had that thought process where you start to worry and you start to doubt yourself, where there's bitterness and stinginess and selfishness, it all comes into your life. It's almost like you start to hear these lies. I'm the only one here. I'm, only those, I'm the only one that has those imaginary conversations. <laughs> How many of you ever have that where you feel like you've had a conversation with somebody and meanwhile that person doesn't even know that you've had the conversation about them? Huh? The enemy can use things and creep into your mindset. He can creep into your life. He can creep into your marriage. He can keep, creep into your friendship. He can creep into everything around you when you don't put God first in it. When you're not seated with the king and you're supposed to be intentional with him, you can allow the enemy an opportunity to seat himself at your table. And so tonight I want to talk about how we take authority. Because there's authority that can be taken over the enemy when he does that. And how do we do that? Well, the first point is we suit up and we take a stand. How many of you ever like a Marvel fans here? Hey, that end game when they all get to the end and they're all gonna fight the big battle. They all suit up and they all take a stand. Here's the place we take a stand, now and no more. Well, that's what I'm hoping we do. We realize, but when we take a stand for God, we take it with the armor of God. We can get armored and ready and prepared and suited up for what God has already wants to do in our lives, but we can get suited up and He he can prepare us and equip us to actually withstand the enemy. So let's read Ephesians chapter six. uh, uh, We're gonna start from verses 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, 
but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done, stand again, he says. Paul goes on to say, stand firm then, with the belt of truth and the buckle around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We're not gonna go through the whole armor of God tonight because over the next four weeks, we're gonna be talking about how we can use the armor of God in our current lives, in our situation to withstand the enemy. But tonight I wanna focus on verse 10 and 11. And I wanna talk about uh, putting on the full armor, but almost getting ready for battle. Verses 10 to 11 actually says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. That's gonna be the focus scripture tonight if you wanna follow with me. What is Paul writing here? Paul's writing to the church of Ephesus, a very dynamic growing church of the time. A church that would have been very similar to View Church. This was a church that would have been the, the ancient mega church days. It would have been a thriving metropolis. And Paul's writing to this church to tell them about something that they may not be aware of. He wants to prepare them to be aware of spiritual warfare. That there's a spiritual battle happening. And he's explaining to them that there is more going on behind the scenes than what they can actually see. I heard a pastor actually use this analogy. He said, it's like, do you remember when the cloud came out? <laughs> the eye cloud. And everybody said, like, where did you store it? In the cloud. And everyone was like, what cloud? You remember that? I think anyone that was born 1990, a kind of back, <laughs> like, remember like the cloud. But the cloud is this, this, this place that you store things in, but you can't see it, but it's there. And it keeps things. And so I think sometimes what, what Paul's trying to say is there's something going on in the background and you need to be aware. It's not that it's not there, it's that it's there, but it's in the background and we need to be aware of, uh, be aware of what is going on. You are under attack from an enemy and you need to deal with it. He's bringing them to this, this awareness of a spiritual warfare. But before I get into this, I just want to point out that sometimes you can get people to take us to the extreme. They become like a devil behind the bush in everything, we become devil hunters, and we, we go on this thing, and it almost becomes about us and not about God anymore, hey? And sometimes I want to let you know that uh, we, we have to realize that not everything you're dealing with is spiritual. Um, Andre once told me this story. I don't know. I hope he doesn't mind me telling him, but it was a guy I went to high school with and Andre knows him well. But his tires were stolen off his car. <laughs> and he was like, the devil stole my tires. Because he got there and his car was sitting on bricks. And he's like, the devil stole my tires. And Andre's like, no, the devil didn't least steal your tires. You left your car in the wrong place. You know, sometimes we can go like, uh, the devil wants me to be broke and the devil made me broke, but every day we're drinking 70 Rand smoothies from Kauai, you know what I mean? We're drinking 35 Rand cups of coffee every day and we're like, the devil made me broke. Not everything is spiritual. The devil made me fat. Ever <laughs> heard that one? Hey? Not everything is spiritual. Maybe we can be fat because we use the drive-through too much. 
But the point of what I'm trying to say is that that doesn't mean that there isn't a spiritual battle. And on a serious note, there's a real spiritual battle where the enemy wants to take you out. And we've got to be prepared for it. And that's what um, Paul talks about. And if you're honest with yourself, there are things that are going on in your Christian walk that are probably taking a little bit too long. Like it should not be awkward or difficult for you to pray in public and, and glorify God. There shouldn't be this awkwardness of raising our hands to worship God. There's a spiritual battle going on because if there's an awkwardness, you've got to realize that that's the enemy would want nothing more than for you not to worship God, for you not to cry out to God in the same way that David praised God. And we need to realize that there's stuff going on in the background. And what do we think causes it? Well, that's the enemy that wants to take you out. He's aiming for your soul and he wants to take you out. You know why he wants to take you out when you don't want to pray? Because he knows how powerful prayer is and he knows on the back end of prayer, there's a breakthrough. But some of us don't get to the point of prayer because we actually just feel, oh, maybe not tonight. I'm gonna shy back into the corner. And then he goes, great, that's exactly where I want you. But he knows the power of prayer and he knows the breakthrough that comes on the back end of that. Raising our kids for God. Why sometimes is that so hard? Like it feels like our kids are more easily raised in cultural ways than they are raised in the house of God. Even as parents, it's easy to send your kids and and, and just justify the things that they do, but it's harder to send them to church and get them involved in the house of God. Guys, there's a spiritual battle going on and we need to be aware of it. And it's gonna take out your generation if you don't call out the enemy who's seated at your table. There are two categories of people here tonight and you probably fall in one of them. The first person is the person that's in the midst of a battle, a spiritual battle right now. Well, I wanna let you know that through this series, you're gonna be equipped to understand God's victory in that moment. To know who's seated at your table, the powerful one who's able to to be there with you through that situation. But then there's another group who don't take this seriously. Ach, Didi, you know, that doesn't really, I'm not into the spirit, it doesn't really bug me that much. You know, when I was younger, I remember Abby, we used to live in Tableview, and my two boys would make a noise. Guys, I don't know about you. Any of you, like young kids, they wreck your house. There's Lego everywhere. It's like there's crayons on the walls. It's everywhere. They're constantly wrecking, and they're making a noise. And half the time, you're like, just please keep quiet. But how many of those moments when they are quiet, and you're going, what's so quiet? You know it's quiet and you get in the room and they've like opened up the baby cream. So you can't get baby bum cream out of sheets. You can't get that stuff out. Throw the sheets away. That's it. Just throw it away. They're covered in from head to toe. How many of you know there's destruction when they go quiet? There's destruction when they go quiet. Some of us need to realize You may think your life's quiet right now, but just watch out, the devil's working in the background. There could be destruction. When there's quietness, you've got to watch out. You've got to realize that uh, you may think you're standing on solid ground, lest you fall. And so don't be oblivious to the fact that there's a spiritual battle going on. We need to realize that the devil wants to destroy us. So three points very quickly, just in closing, is this. If you're going to take a stand against the enemy, number one, You need to know the enemy at the table. Now, I'm not saying you need to research uh, Satan and spend time devotioning and learning about Satan. You actually need to spend that time with God, but you need to know your enemy. You need to know your enemy. Nobody walks into a fight blindly. Where's Luke? 
Luke will tell you, you don't get into a ring with somebody without doing your homework on understanding who you're going up against. You don't go, oh, we're just gonna blindly, this sounds like a good idea, I'm just gonna get in the ring and fight this guy. You gotta come off short. So you gotta know your enemy. And the scripture tells us who our enemy is. Ephesians chapter 6, 10 says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against your mother-in-law. No. So you can take a stand against your boss. No. Or that person, take a stand against the person irritating you right now. Or take a stand against SARS. Or ESCOM. Does it say that? No, it says take a stand against the devil's schemes. The devil's schemes. You've got to realize that you've got to take a stand against the devil's schemes. And we have a real enemy who really wants to take you out. And just quick things about this enemy. Number one is that our enemy is destructive. How many of you, I drove through um, Signal Hill last night and I just saw some of the wake of that destruction from the storm last week. Hectic. Like all the, the trees on Signal Hill all lying flat down, they look like matchsticks. And, and people were showing you, how many of you saw Stanford and how many of you saw some of the destruction that that storm actually brought? Uh, uh, Roy Ells, apparently some of the roads have washed away and it just looks like destruction. And you know what the enemy wants? He wants that picture for your marriage. He wants that picture for your family. He wants that picture for your children because you aren't gonna stand up and be prepared to take him on in that moment. Then you are gonna end up in a space where one day you wake up in destruction. He leaves pain in his path. It is heartbreaking when we see a picture of that for our church and our kids and our, and our families, people going through that in their marriages. Take a stand. You know why? Because the enemy likes to depress you. Ever been felt depressed? That's a spiritual battle. He likes to depress you. You know what else he likes to do? Oppress you. He likes to oppress you. He likes to unjustly subject you to hardship. And he also likes to possess people. And we've got to be careful that sometimes we open doors in our lives thinking they're small doors or that door could open a massive door in your life and you let things in that shouldn't be there and you allow the enemy no longer sit at your table but to rather possess you. The Bible tells us in John 10, 10, that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And he has, but God has, has come that you may have life and life to the full. Do you see the contrast to that? I don't know what you choose. Would you rather sit at the table with a killer or would you rather sit at your table with the one who brings life? And every day when we wake up and worship God, every day when we pray, when we get into the Word, when we build our relationship with God, we bring life to our situation. But every day that you don't do that, you have an opportunity where the enemy could just slip in, unannounced. Our enemy's deceptive. He's not a red little critter that you see on these pictures. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 11, 4 says, and um, no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. He's a pretty boy and you may not recognize him. It actually says that like an angel of light, like he used to be the worship leader in heaven and because he tried to, 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 he had this issue of pride and sin. He tried to overthrow God, worshiping God and rather have people worship him. It's this prideful thing, this thing that's about me. And because of that, he was, he was cast out of heaven. But he's an angel of light 
I want to let you, let you know, some of you kids that are dating people, sometimes things that look good may not be good for you. The enemy may look good, but he may not bring goodness into your life. Watch out for the way that you actually get into relationships. Some of these boys and girls go, we are so attractive in the way that we want to. Sometimes what looks good doesn't bring goodness into your life. Our enemy is determined. He's not giving up. 2,000 years ago, do you think when Jesus beat him at the cross, he said, oh, well, I'm gonna throw in the white towel, that's it. Wave the red flag, it's time to go home. He didn't. 2,000 years, he's still fighting. He's still being persistent. How much more if we as Christians were persistent in, in, in the same way that he's persistent? He is persistent to take us out. 1 Peter 5 actually tells us, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy is the devil who prowls around like a roaring lion looking to devour somebody. Why is he so determined? Because I think he understands your potential. The enemy is not coming after you because of your past. Your enemy is coming after you because he understands the potential of your future with God. And he wants to separate you from that. And you need to realise that God loves you and he wants to be in a relationship with you. And this enemy will take you out. Number two, know your part at the table. Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the might and the power. Put on the full armour. Be strong. I just want to tell you, there's a natural and then there's a supernatural. Let me give you an example. The natural, if I had to go and do max pull-ups, how many of you love pull-ups? Best exercise on planet Earth, eh? Not for me, I hate pull-ups. Hey, that moment, you do like one, two, three, like, and you're like, hey, max pull-ups. And you know what happens with max pull-ups when you're doing it in the natural? That's what our life's like. We're like, we're gonna power through this. We're gonna keep powering. One more. And eventually you just, you become fragile and weak. And all you end up doing is just hanging in there. Some of us are hanging in on life because we're trying to do it in the natural. But it's in the supernatural that we get our strength. You may be weak in the natural, the Bible says, but you can be strong in the supernatural. It's when we invite God to our story that we can access a power that the enemy has nothing over us. We gotta stop powering through life. Ephesians 6.10, as it says there, be strong in the, wake up tomorrow and realise that your strength is not in yourself, it's in the Lord. And when we realise that our strength is in the Lord, there is power in that. Joshua 1.9 says, I have not commanded you to be strong and courageous, Joshua. Do not be afraid. Do not be of discouraged. For the Lord your God will go with you wherever you go. But a lot of us read that scripture, be strong and courageous. And we have the key ring and that's all we've put on there. It's the Lord your God that goes with you wherever you go, that brings your strength, that brings you power. It's not about your strength or your ability. It's about inviting God to be the strength in the midst of your hardest time. When you do it God's way in devotion, in worship, in prayer, we bring power. Here's a note. Being strong in the Lord is not about giving you strength. It's about becoming, it's about, it's about God becoming your strength. Lord, does God give me the strength? Yeah, God will become your strength when you're in relationship with Him. He's your shepherd. I need to bring this sermon to a close. 
And I just want to let you know this, 2 Peter 1.3, I'm just going to mention this. You know what, when we're trying to access God's power, let me read it to you. It says, His divine power has given us to us all things pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His glory and virtue. We access God's power through the knowing God. You don't, a lot of us want God's power, but we don't take time to know God. God, I don't want to sit with you and have lunch with you. I don't want to actually have you at my table, but can I please have your power? A lot of us think that God's going to take us out of our situation, but David said, you prepare a table in the presence of my enemy. You see, God's not going to take your enemy and take him away from you. In the same way, we took the sheep out of there, just ended up. God is the one that equips you, empowers you and strengthens you through that. And so over this next four weeks, I pray that God does that. Can I ask us to stand quickly? And just maybe close our heads. Close my head. Close our eyes. Just point three, I just want you to think about this point is... um, Point three was, what are my odds at the table? I'm just going to be honest with you tonight. Without Jesus, your odds aren't good. On a scale of one to ten, it's minus one. You cannot do this without Jesus. Your odds are not great. The enemy may pull up a chair at your table. You may think maybe he won't do it to me. I want to let you know that he pulled a chair up at Jesus' table in the wilderness. Do you not think he's going to come for you? He pulled up a chair where Eve walked in relationship with God and he was bold enough to pull up a chair in her situation. Will he not pull up a chair on you? Don't be naive. We need to realize that the battles for the enemy, you will lose if you try and do this without Jesus. It's only through the cross. It's only through Jesus Christ. And tonight, even as we stand here with our prayer, I just want to pray for us that that we would just renew our faith tonight and just recognize that just if you are standing here tonight with your eyes closed, head bowed, just out of respect for everybody, just think about maybe who's at your table tonight. Is God at your table? And if the enemy's at your table tonight, I want to pray for you that we actually, we call him out for who he is. He's a liar and a deceiver. He will never speak truth. He comes and asks you how you're doing and tries to make you feel better, but he has no truth in him at all. The enemy cannot love. The enemy can never forgive. The enemy has no way of being humble. And if you have something at your table tonight that has no love, that has no grace, that has no humility, why don't we just ask God to remove him and fill that space? Heavenly Father, we just thank you, God, that you love us and that you've prepared this table for us, Lord. We wanna re-invite you, Lord. I pray even over this next four weeks, Lord, that we would just recognize the enemy, but draw closer into our relationship with you as our priority, Father God, in our time, our talent, and our treasure. And I ask you, God, will you, Will you rebuke the enemy in the same way that the archangel in Jude, he recognized he couldn't rebuke, but he asked you and you have that power. And as we draw into our relationship with you, there's power. We thank you, God, that you're on our side. 
We thank You, God, that it doesn't matter what's at the table, but who's at the table. And we wanna be at the table with You. So I pray tonight, Father God, that even as we start tomorrow, we'll put You first as we dine with You, as we grow in our relationship with You. If you're standing here and you haven't got that relationship with Jesus Christ, then maybe you're in a position saying, I, I need a relationship. I feel like all those things, I'm under attack. And maybe it's recognizing that it's not something, it's someone, it's a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not asking you to sign up for anything religious. I'm asking you to get into a relationship with the one who created you, who loves you, who cares for you, who knows the very hairs on your head, who has a desire for you like you have no idea. And tonight, if you wanna step into that relationship, it's so easy because you can't earn it. He already paid for that. He's paid the price so that you can earn it. And all you do is you just, so you can receive it. So all you do is you receive it. You can't earn your way to salvation. You can't wait till I'm gonna be better. God says, just open your heart as I knock tonight. And if that's you, I wanna on the count of three, give you an opportunity to give us a wave so we can pray for you. One, God so loved the world. Two, that He gave His only beloved Son. Three, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. If you've said that prayer, can you just raise, give us a quick wave so that we can just see who we're praying for tonight. Church, maybe we can pray together. Lord Jesus, thank You. We love You. I recognize I'm a sinner and I don't always get it right, but I need You. Will You come into my heart tonight? Will You transform me from the inside out? I wanna change my ways and serve You. Will You be the Lord of my life? In Jesus' Name and all God's people said, Amen. Well, let's stand surrendered. I got taught that I, I don't live by chance. And, and I know that there's a battle. And I know that Jesus has won the victory. So I take my stand in the victory that I have in Christ. And that's why every morning, I've done it for years, I put on the full armour of God. I submit to God, I resist the devil. I pray a version of the Lord's Prayer where I ask Him to give me my daily bread, to forgive me of my sins. I do that continually, put on the armour of God continually. And then I, I pray for the day ahead. And, and I, I, my faith rises. Because that Scripture then says, and, and pray continually. And, and prayer helps you stay strong and take your stand as well. And that's why we pray. And so, so there's gonna be so many things we learn. Keys, we're gonna learn how to live in our victory, not to live by chance. Yes, we know there's an enemy, but we know that our victory is in Christ and He's given us keys, spiritual keys to take our stand. So God, even as we go into this week, God, we, we stand again in Your strength. We submit to You now. We want to do Your will. We resist the devil. We thank You that he has to flee. Pray age protection around us and our family. We stand in Your shoes of readiness. We put Your belt buckle of truth on, Your breastplate of righteousness, Your shield of faith, Your humble salvation, and we take Your sword of the Spirit. We thank You, God, that we can take our stand in You and that we can go into this week strengthened in You, God. Thank You, Jesus for all your love and your help and your goodness and your strength. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Come on, let's give Jesus praise in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Just as we end, if you look just to your right, the doors open and we've got uh, some prayer counselors, men and women, 
If you prayed a prayer, even as Dita prayed, or if you need prayer, I encourage you to go there, especially for people who prayed a salvation prayer. Your next step is to tell somebody you prayed that prayer. They'd love to pray with you and then tell you about um, your next step, which is following Jesus. Um, can everyone also grab a heart for the house card? You can put it in your fridge, take it home. As we prepare for heart for the house, we want to encourage you to pray and start to ask God what He wants you to give into on this journey of heart for the house. So you can read on the card and, and carry on, on the journey. Let's quickly pray for the Springboks. Jesus, I pray that the Springboks score lots of points tonight. They don't get any injuries and that we get all our kicks. So we get ready for the quarters and the semis and the finals. In Jesus' name, Amen. Have a good one.